Crowns do queer things to the heads beneath them. Hello, and welcome to 2C1C, a Game of Thrones living card game podcast founded in 2010 by myself, Will Lentz, Greg Atkinson, and Brad Zeiler. These days, my co-hosts may differ, but we're generally pulling from at least some familiar core of voices. Many thanks go out to Fantasy Flight Games, George R. Martin, Card Game DB, and Josh Woodward for the CC licensed music you're hearing now. This is Season 5. So... Welcome back to Two Champs and a Chump. I'm just going to throw us in here without much of an intro. That's right, guys. We're in a hurry. You know why we're in a hurry? We've got a regional champ with us, Mr. Kyle Vansel, who's joining Woo! us on break from work. We've also got a You know, Will, I'll always take time out of my busy day to you know, give a nod to 2C1C whenever I can. A nod? <laughs> a nod. <laughs> uh, very kind. I've been thinking about assholey things I can say all day. Like, I've been looking forward to this 15 minutes like six hours. <sighs> so good. That's impressive. So we got Kyle. I think I heard uh, Tommy's voice. Did I hear an Aaron laugh? You, you heard an Aaron laugh. And Greg's here. Sweet. Uh, oh. Yeah. Greg's here. Yeah, this is the first time I've been on with you, Kyle, because you've been skipping out on us for the last two months. Listen, I have a repeatable work schedule that no one seems to understand. Like, if this was in seven days, I'd be sitting at home fighting off sleep, but at least I'd be on. Instead, I'm walking around the shampoo factory talking on my cell phone. Way to be. So, so I hear I, you cleaned up in Iowa. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was a good time. It was a good time. Uh, I think it's the highest bar bill I've had on a record at Iowa. It was a new personal best for the bar. I think uh, me too. <laughs> which was impressive. At first I was like, ha, ha, ha. I was like, well, there was two of us. And Danny goes, Kyle, I didn't drink all night. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I just kept sipping on. I was Crown plus two hundo, so. I did not beat that. Holy shit. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Woo. Well, what did you beat, Mr.? I'm not um, going to play Dark Wings, Dark Words again until Gen Con. So it was all sad, and I was like, I'm going to go all the first edition, never win a regional, never get one of those cool 2D egg-shaped trophies. And he's like, Kyle, I need you to just stop being a bitch and play the deck that wins, not the deck that's fun. And I was like, but baby! And she was like, no, shut the fuck up. So I played it. I had a bunch of secret tech and some silly things built that I was like, maybe this will be good. And then Monday slash Tuesday, everyone decided they were going to come to Iowa. So I was like, now I need to win. So the the Stark Wings came back out, and it uh it flexed all over. The, uh, let's see. First round was against Siege, which is not which is a very rough matchup for me. His was um, Brian up from uh, Wisconsin, uh, Madison area. So he's under the tutelage of Jesse Shinnaminigan. Uh, all of his metamates are far more milder than Jesse. I think Jesse's just as a vacuum of craziness <laughs> up there. But anywho, his siege deck was far less, uh, rushy than, than Tom's build. Uh, had a lot of those, cl- the cliche kill events. So, um, not as many epics. 
and it just wasn't as fast. I, I understand the thought there on going more, you know, consistent in the spot control, but, um, I think that's what gives me the biggest fit about Tom's isn't so much necessarily the military or like the claim and stuff. I've always been able to at least fare that okay. It's just been how fast he wins is the speed is hard for me to keep up or slow down. Um, so luckily I got out a Hodor and a Riverlands Hunter right on the flop. So I was like, yeah, you dropped that freaking fear winner now, SOB. So it felt pretty good. Um, stalled that one out till my draw overtook his and then just flipped in, crushed him. Uh, second round played Sean Becker out of, I'm just going to say Illinois. I forget where he's living these days. Um, playing Barra No Agenda. Yes, No Agenda. Because, of course, it, like, summons the flanks, and two of them showed up real early. Uh, still played them, because, you know, I mean, a 4 for 5 Warcraft Spycon with Deadly still uh, kicks in, kicks people in the balls. Especially when they have, like, Uber staring us out, and it's like, well, still can't defend this, because he still doesn't have Deadly. Um, got Mira early to blank his power characters, enough spot control. Um, I find that the best card against Barra these days is Theon Greyjoy, uh, just because they tend to... You know, even like tend to be able to always protect their like two or three core characters, whoever they've got out, or just their one champion. If you can use your effects, take out the rest. The like Theon just kind of chips away at these guys, especially with that burst economy. I mean, they flood the board, and if you can shrink it back down, it just whittles away at them, and they can't keep up. So I got him early, kept him alive, and he'll eventually get a Theon his own Stannis, and you know that all usually means good game there. Uh, third round is against good old Doug from Chicago. Doug was rocking Targ Hollow Hill Burn. Uh, was really pumped to see 2-0, uh, Hollow Hill Burn. I love Burn. Haven't seen it in a while. Especially the straight up, I'm just gonna nuke you Burn. So, his was a tough game. Uh, on his threat turn, he left like two gold and three influence locations standing and didn't do anything with his forever burnings and dominance. Just let it sit. And I was like, okay, bud, that's cool. So instead of melting half my board, he just let me get out of there pretty pain, pain free. My loss, like, uh, I think I lost Lou in there, but other than that, nothing. So that was cool. Uh, and was able to squeak that game out, like 14, 15. Uh, I'll say that was my big lucky moment of the day was beating Doug. Cause well, he I think Doug made like, up for it against me and Will. He put it on us. Yeah, guys, you can't lose to Doug. Doug's obviously a bad player. If, like, I was there, I saw it. Doug was drunk or on PCP. I haven't I mean, figured out which. But if Doug I had any power time. icons in my deck, I might have been able to win that one. Or if yeah, he didn't he draw off my not. Bay of Ices every turn because of Kyle's coins being flipped in his favor. Hey, my coins are just fine. I like those coins. They're weighted. So They might be. So, see, so yeah, I played Doug, won that. Uh, last round was against Martel Quentin, Q-Dog, out of uh, Madison again. Uh, that game, I mean, I just caught everything I needed and was able to put him down. He didn't see the Viper until it was way too late, like plot five, and at that point he had, like, no power, and I had 13. So one turn of him bursting up was just not enough to get it closed out. It's like, sweet, feeling great. Going in the final cut, I played, uh, let's see, who was first? Brian again. Uh, that game was much closer, but squeaked that one out. Uh, second was against Tony playing Targ. Anyone know what agenda Tony was running? Was he Kings of Summer? He might have been Summer. I did not I see his deck. I don't remember, but he did a lot of uh Oh no, he was thing. HOD Aegon's Hill. That's it. That was it. 
And, uh, which didn't matter. I just kept no characters in my hand. And I just got way up. I saw Mira, a flank, a bunch of awesome shit early. And so every turn, he's like, I'm going to egg on you. And looked at my hand, just saw five events. And he's like, this is awful. Because it's like, I can literally see how you're going to bone me over this round. I caught both, all my location hit events probably in the first two turns. I mean, it was just about as scripted as you can be in an ideal sense. Uh, and then I played Quentin again in the finals. Um, pro play of the day there was having the Royal Decree in my hand. And I even baited Jared was by, and I made a comment about how outwits a response, and I need to remember that. So I intentionally flood the board, set him up, like, I mean, just hook, line, and sinker. He lays out, like, one or two dudes, like a scavenger, some stuff, very clearly, you know, sending he's going to drop the, uh, he's got the, he calls the thinking in hand. So, you know, I do a little acting. Um, flood the board, dug on the intrigue challenge. I'm like, oh, gotta pull it. He's got like 10 cards, gotta get it. And I'm like, oh, shoot, didn't. And stop, cause I pulled Quentin, which, you know, obviously I'm excited about, cause even if I pull that he calls it, like it's fine. So he drops some plot, you know, knowing, or he drops the valor. <laughs> I drop the outwit. He drops, he calls the thinking. I lay down the royal decree and you can just kind of see, like all the joy just fall out of his face. And so from then on, I just flooded the board. He got the viper. Um, but I just had a, and a lost oasis, but I just simply had too many dudes to the point where he can lost oasis, half him down, still blocking all his challenges. And I'm still coming back at him. So, I mean, I probably had two rows of dudes, probably 15, 16 characters on the board there at the end. And he was down to just the Viper. At one point he was stalling me out cause I had all these events in my hand, but I couldn't play it on the freaking Viper. So I was just kind of like drawing my two, playing my two. But uh closed that out pretty solid. Uh Like I said, Doug's game set was probably the closest all day. And, I mean, that mofo should have won it. He really should have. But he choked. So that's my tournament report. Uh Had a great time. A lot of people came down. I think we had 26 players. Didn't so, move. you know, it's always good. What's your secret tech? Uh, I don't, I don't have any. I went in with, like, I wanted to prove two things. The, the Red Viper is too good right now and needs something because I'm sick of just mindlessly having an opponent drop it in Lost Oasis and can they can space out and point at a card three times and claim seven power. And he was running the Viper's Rage. So, I mean, if he can get that off, like, that's that's literally, what, three in opposed, four for claim, three on him. I mean, that's half his win condition in an event and a character. I mean, to me, that's dumb. I mean, maybe maybe it's not, but but I think, I just hate how easy Moki is. So I don't like him. I was glad I got to beat him twice, and I'm glad he almost, you know, stole the finals from me by himself, single-handedly. Well, I guess he had a taste for blood, but... Um, and the other thing is that Green Sears Raven is dumb. And unless you're running an HOD that you absolutely cannot afford to lose, there should never be more than two in your deck. I don't think if you're... If you're and that's if you're doing that. If you're not doing that, no birds. So I got to play people who played birds, and they all... I mean, they would even drop that stupid time for wolves. Go get it. And cancel my at the gates. And it's like, that's fine. Like, if you want to waste a plot and a card on Lewin, like, go right ahead. And I will crush you. And I did. So that was cool. Those are the things I want to go in there with. Um, I don't know. I don't really have any secret tech. I mean, nailing that outwit play is probably the hardest part. And knowing when to push and when to shove. At this point, I think it's a sheer familiarity. I think is probably my quote secret tech. Is just having a feel to know when to push, when it's time to drop my valor, when it's you know time to hold back. You know, you, just for the record, you did start this story by saying you had secret tech. So are you? He so I had another, another deck. Another deck you didn't play. 
Okay. Uh, and I didn't bring it because it needs some work. Okay. Nothing beats having the reps, and that's what you have with this deck. Yeah, so that's why I played. It's nice because now I'm done till Gen Con and Worlds, so I've got my deck that I'm going to play. I've got some tweaks i got to make. I was dumb. I left the fiefdoms in instead of putting in the heart trees. That was dumb. Yeah, that is dumb. Uh, I looked through all the cards, and I was like, do I need to replace anything? And I was like, nope, all good. <laughs> I mean, I literally with thoughts of the last couple packs in mind. Um, and I probably need to take out Eddard's Chambers for a King's Road, whichever one I think is going to be more popular, probably this summer. But part of me thinks Choke could be real good right now. People really do start playing Kings of Summer all the time, but it's okay. I'm not going to do it. But I think Song of Ice, Greyjoy, Choke... I just like the idea of, like, using an icy fisherman to steal gold and then, like, killing him with Hall to cancel a sea is just, like, the funniest shit in the world to me. I don't know why, but I just think that's hilarious. So that might be a deck. If someone wants to go play, no one's going to have fun today. They can do that. Well, now Doug's going to go do that. Nice job. Not saying that was my secret tech, but I thought about it. Our next topic, guys, um, we're going to talk the meta and the restricted list. Gen Con's coming, and FFG's probably going to freshen the meta, so let's talk what we think they should do. We can hope they do. What we yeah. yeah. We desperately hope they do. Yeah. I mean, without packs coming out, we we need something. I I posted um, a little note on Agot Cards a week ago basically saying, what would people think if they just took everything off the restricted list and had it be a wide-open environment? People hated that idea. Hated it. But it got so. people talking. It was a good post. In the meantime, let's kick it off with Stark. All right. Uh, I'm going to start with my favorite dead horse. I really want Mira off and, like, three or four other Stark cards on. What three or four would you suggest? Uh, Flank, Frozen Solid, and Brienne. Um, as a counterpoint, I think everyone would agree if you take Mira off the restricted list, she's in every single Stark deck. And not just one copy, probably three copies in every single Stark deck. Yeah, but yeah, she's nearly there. That's, amazing. that's now literally everywhere, I think, but like Siege. So a good point about City of Shadows, Tommy. It opens it up for other houses, too. Oh, yeah. absolutely. But take her off there. there. She's nowhere near as good in City of Shadows, because you don't have the same ways to put her back in. Sure, but I'm just saying, (laughs) you see her even more. And if you're going Martell or Barra, then you've got the location to do it. All right, well, if you're that worried about City of Shadows, good luck with that. But, like, since City of Shadows has never won anything or hasn't won anything in, like, eight years, I'm going to go ahead and not freak out about that. Instead, like, every Stark deck that's done well in the past, like... It, with the exception of Siege, and Siege doesn't especially care about her anyway, but with the exception of Siege, almost every Stark del- deck that's done well in the past, like, five years, including the deck Kyle just ranted about, runs Mira any damn way. I don't disagree with that, but, I mean, I think taking her off the list, it isn't so much that it opens up other Stark cards, it's what it opens up with plots. You right. know, the ability to yeah. run her with Fear of Winter, you know, oh, the ability... Cool. Yeah, I... I I understand what you're saying, but I'd flip it on its head and basically say if she's already being run, why do we need to take her off the restricted list? 
Do you know what I mean? Like, if she is already the primary choice for the restricted card out of Stark decks, then all we're doing is making all those decks better by saying, now you get a plot that you wouldn't have otherwise had. See, but would you take that plot, or would you take Brynn, or would you take Frozen Solid, which is a giant card? Okay, so basically your your proposal is that you are putting on three or four cards, which you haven't gotten to which three or four cards those are yet, um, so... Brienne, Flank, Froso would be the three I'd put on. I could see Froso being a, a reasonable trade, as well as the Flank. I'm not 100% most, on Brienne. Oh. Most decks are going to take the Flank, and the ones that don't will take a plot. Uh, I think more than you think takes Frozen Salad. Frozen, Frozen Mirror Salad Reed takes care of all the targets for Frozen Salad. She does. Maybe not quite a, as reliably, but she's way more flexible. I think I'm okay with that trade between the, the two of them overall. Mm, I, I obviously rather have Mira, but Frozen Solid allows me to use Mira on other stuff. I feel like Frozen Solid is one of the few cards in the meta that can actually help keep a Warship deck down, and we're going to get to Greyjoy in a little bit, but... Um, you know, it's one of unless it's a HOD, you know, Maiden's Bane deck, it's one of the few cards you can put on Maiden's Bane that Greyjoy doesn't have a lot of options to deal with. So, I don't know. I'm not sure I like the idea right now. And again, we'll get into it in a in a boat heavy meta, um, at least from a decision making standpoint, to restrict one of the cards that can help keep it down. Yeah, but you're unrestricting one of the other cards that keeps it down. Like, yeah. Mira is even, or at least as bad for those decks as for, like... No, actually, Frozen Solid is better against those decks, because it sits there, and it stays there. It's constant, yeah. Um, yeah, but Mira's still a complete monster against them. Like, Mira's generally getting rid of that and stand. I don't like, know. If you want both, obviously, against those decks. You don't want, like, small sideways, you know? Does anybody feel like Stark is that ridiculously overpowered, yeah, I, though? I, I guess yeah, I kind of feel the same way as Tommy. I don't feel like Stark is a house that needs to get shaken up right now. See, I kind of want every house to get shaken up just because then we're just playing the exact same things for the past couple of years. Yeah, that that's, the, that's the main reason no, I would going, think about it. Without new cards to do it, you know, the FAQ is really the only r- way to do it for the next six months. So what if you take Frozen Solid and Brienne and you unrestrict the Fury? Uh, I mean, sure. I'm okay with that. I don't think their Fury really matters, especially with the 601. Um, I think it would spice up what they're doing with their decks. Eh, it really just means they start adding three times to be a wolf. Yeah. Like that's but then they can start reaching for other stuff that they never could do before because it wasn't efficient enough. I don't know if that's true. I'm seeing a lot of stuff. Or they just start. get the efficient stuff. Easier. Yeah. So, just for clarification standpoint, I'm going to back up just a tiny bit. You know, you guys just brought up the point of mixing up the card pool. And while I don't disagree with that concept, you know, FAQs have served different purposes over the years. Sometimes it's to create, you know, or to attempt to create balance between houses. Sometimes it's to help bring down a particular deck or house. Sometimes it's just to remove cards, you know, to shake up the meta by taking a bunch of cards that are just found in every deck or every deck of a specific house and put them on the list. That would be like your refugees or when all the furies were put on, something like that. 
So kind of what you what you guys are proposing right now with Stark has nothing to do really with the balance issue and just has to do with let's shake up Stark a little bit and see what comes out of the other side of the can when I pop it open. Um, almost exactly. Plus, I'm trying to hit ubiquitous cards anyway. Like, if, I, if I'm hitting what I want, it would be like the Flank and Brienne and Froso, which are at least one of, usually two or three of in every Stark deck. I well, think by that, that same philosophy, don't you throw the refugees back on? Um, if, if that we're doing that, we just throw all the refugees on. I don't really care about that, like, eh. I'd that's, be okay with them going back. I'd be fine, but whatever, really. Like, like, and that neuters Harrenhal a bit, in my opinion, as well. And right. it hurts House of Dreams. Well, we could just restrict Harrenhal. Like, would anyone be, would any house be super sad if they restricted Harrenhal? But the fact that no. it also hits the House of Dreams, I think, is what makes it really positive. Well, let's well let's save Castle Dream so we get to Gray, Greyjoy. But well, I, I guess my oh, because it is, only matters there. As it we discuss, as we discuss this, do we want to discuss it from the standpoint of we're just shaking up the meta, or should we first discuss the cards that we think are problematic cards, like the potential for Heron Hall or the Warship decks, and then come back to the house by house? This is what we do to shake them up and add a little spice to deck building, so to speak. I think there's only two real cards that are issues enough to require that, so I guess we can jump to them if you guys don't mind. Sure. First and foremost, Maiden's Bane. Uh, Maiden's Bane's scary. Seems to be all the talk lately. So well, in my new feeling, players, it's super NPE. Not that yeah. there's a lot of new players right now, but anybody that's relatively new to the game hates playing. My uh, personal feel is when building a deck for a big tournament, you are doing one of two things. You are either playing boats or you are asking yourself, can I deal with boats? You know, and while we're still getting a diverse, you know, population of different houses, the f- I think we have now gotten to the point where warships and Maiden's Bane in particular are warping the meta in such a way that you are asking yourself that question for every deck you consider for a big tournament. Absolutely. It's at a critical mass where you're considering in every single deck that you build, what is my answer to this? So there, I think there's only two real answers for that. One is to errata the crap out of Maiden's Bane itself. Like, there's no mini-fix that's going to do it. The other choice, which I actually think I prefer, restrict House of Dreams. Oh. Remove the CBK and it won't see play at all. Yeah, but... Yeah, I'm fine with that. But assuming they don't want errata, I'm assuming they don't right at the end of the game. If they do, that's great. I'm totally fine with it. But I kind of like the restrict House of Dreams. It's become really common, and if House of Dreams and Maiden's Bane are both restricted, that breaks up that power combo. Yeah, I think it would kill House of Dreams. Good. (laughs) I think there's some decks where it's good for the meta to have House of Dreams, though. I think having Dragon Pit in the environment is good. See, but the current Dragon Pits are just running Preston. Like, Preston's good for Dragon Pit, but he's not needed. I don't know, man. It's It's not tier one without him. I don't agree. Let, let's address the first option, which was to errata Mainspain. And I say real quickly, within a couple seconds, let's each of us offer our suggestion for what would you do to errata it. I Me mean, personally, I would just, I think you can give it limit once per phase. It makes it still a solid card, but not a shut down every challenge phase with all my ways to stand it. Yeah, that's mine too. Once per phase makes it a much more reasonable card. Once per phase or remove the CBK and I'm fine with it. I think... So- I think I would lean towards removing the the CBK myself, though I I do admit to 
some some curiosity in how much that would really matter <laughs> in gameplay. There's not many mid-challenge kills that are going to be able to touch it. Would it how often does it throw it into a challenge where you're against deadly, though? Right, right. And it, and if deadly then lets you start actually pushing challenges through against that deck, uh, but still, right. you know, gives that deck some, some viable defense options and stuff, you know, I'm okay with that. So that's it's also not the mid-challenge you'd worry about, then. It would just be military claim. Uh, yes, military claim is a possibility. So you'd be forced then to have something to actually some eat shot. some claim soak. Yep. Yeah. I think oh, those I, decks saves. don't run claim soak. Let's not be silly. Well, that's well, what sure I'm they saying. They, they'd be forced to, to work something out. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. There's also okay. um, the, le- the really, really little option that doesn't require errata, just to bring it up because it's going to come up again somewhere else. Um, where House of Dreams, once it becomes a location, it becomes a location... So, sorry, once it becomes a character, it becomes a location again, it loses the immunity. Like, that's oh, it like loses it permanently? Yeah, it loses yeah. the House of Dreams immunity. Which yeah. is semi-viable. This doesn't make sense rules-wise, though. Yeah, it would have. It would need a special ruling. You would just be like, look, it works yeah. this way for this card because we say so. Yeah, you know, there's another option, too, and th- this is probably the weakest of the options which is that you potentially errata or change other cards in the environment that allow things to hit it more. I mean, we already mentioned Heron Hall, and I actually think both decks use Heron Hall a lot. They also use Green Seer Raven, you know? Why? Yeah, and Green Seer Raven can cancel your Fleeing to the Wall because it's got a trait that's irrelevant in the game right now, but it still has a trait. (laughs) Yeah, it can Mm -hmm. cancel City Besieged, you know? It can cancel several of the plots that hurt it, so doing something with Heron Hall, I think, actually can hurt boat decks more than it'll hurt other decks. I think potentially doing something with Green Seer Raven, you know, doing something with Flame to the Wall. Um, I think, I'm not saying any of these are better options, but there have been times over the years FFG has basically said, in order to deal with a specific card, instead of changing that card, we are actually going to open up other options with silver bullets, so to speak. So they could go in that way. I'm not saying they should, but they could. Well, there's one neutral plot that would do an awful lot to mess that deck up. That's restricted, been restricted forever. What plot's that? Search and detain. Oh, no. It <laughs> no, it wouldn't touch it. Oh, it would destroy it. It's oh, both decks run high right. initiative. Yeah, They're just are you out of your mind? Why are they not just running cogs all day long? Yeah, yeah. And they, because you they are. hurts them more than it hurts them. They will then run search and detain for extra control, and they will not have to worry about losing initiative and being first player because they already run so many initiative bumps. So Couldn't agree more. I just ran this deck at two tournaments. I run nine initiative boost cards, you don't really see them right away, and you don't really see them in the right order, and it really would mess with the deck a lot if but you had to run But your plots are straight. high initiative also. Yeah, your plots are yeah. also high initiative. Mm, to an extent. That's why Come you on. run the initiative boost. What's your, your average initiative wait, on those you're plots? You're running Bay of Ice, About correct? Five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, About your, your point is falling completely flat here because you are running plots already that have the potential to just beat search and detain straight up, and then you have nine cards in your deck that help you with that boost. So, right. no, search and detain will find itself in boat decks and helping them. It and then become the, more abusive. Yeah, and then the opponent who plays search and detain thinking they're going to bounce the boat, ah, nope, sorry, I won initiative, now you have to go bounce your own card because you're first player. 
Oh, that'd be pretty great. Sorry. All right. Um, since we want to do something, I'm all right. Fine. I'm totally back to restrict House of Dreams. I think. Uh, I, I can't think of what it ruins. Tunnels. Um. Dragon mm. Pit. I don't think Dragon Pit is hurt that bad. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a slight side tangent tunnels, here. And tunnels isn't that good. With uh with Heron Hall, and that I think Heron Hall did something the same thing Tin Link did. With where Tinlink basically made all attachments unplayable, I think Heron Hall has made every high cost event unplayable. You don't see bleeds, you don't see favorable ground much anymore, and favorable ground is an event that will hammer that deck. And I just feel like removing Heron Hall or at least restricting it. I mean, I wouldn't even be opposed if it got banned, but I do think if you restrict it, it's not going to be most people's choices. They're going to choose their in-house option most of the time or a plot as they're restricted. So I think restricting Heron Hall will create a soft ban on it. I agree. And I, I just think right now it is also warping the environment in a way that's causing us to not play fun and interesting cards. As long I, as they don't free the red keep, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I very much agree with that. Um, Heron Hall should almost certainly go away. But I'm fine with restricting House of... Like, I really don't see a major downside to T1 decks to restricting House of Dreams. I think it actually adds variety at this point. I think we're seeing the same four House of Dreams decks over and over again. Um, you know, as a personal creator of a unique agenda that was supposed <laughs> to open up deck types... Um, What'd they I, do to that? No, I'm, my point is, is that I, you know, I'm, I enjoy Corey's agendas, Dark Wings, Dark Words, and House of Dreams because I think it it allowed for unique deck types, and I think it still does. And so I'm I'm reluctant to restrict it. I, you know, maybe it's just a emotional attachment to, you know, champion created agendas, but I'm definitely not in favor of restricting House of Dreams. I think your agenda would have been better off if they restricted it. Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent agree with you, Aaron. <laughs> like I think it's a it's better restricted than the plus five cards of yeah. the man. It already it doesn't feel a lot of play right now. And restricting it would would have been a soft ban. Oh, I disagree. I would have played it restricted. The plus five cards of command made my life ten times more difficult. That's what makes it unplayable. Do. How do, I mean, like, how many ca- cards of command cards are being played right now? There are exactly two that matter for that deck, but they're three. They matter sorry, three. a lot, but yeah, they're humongous. Okay, Rally Cry and uh, Shadow Killer and Sansa. Like Shadow Killer is House Baratheon only. Yeah, well, right. It's so not like Barra Two 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 wasn't a super great deck. Uh, I I think you guys are overstating it for like one neutral plot, which I agree that's the one that hit that oh, the rat hurt the most. But the other two, the Sansa and the Shadow Killer, you know, I don't think it made my agenda unplayable because all of a sudden now you can't play Shadow Killer, really? Uh, in Barra, that's in Barra. <laughs> no, 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 seriously humongous. It ripped it away from Vera, and by having Rally Cry be legitimate against it, it it took a lot of its advantage away and uh, its disadvantage. I'm saying the natural inherent disadvantage it has, it amplified it. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's say let's say the the errata gets removed. Does that make a difference? Oh yeah. In terms of people will play it all the time. I would play it. Doesn't make a difference immediately. Okay, so you think it will, you know, re-enter the meta with dominance at that point in time? It depends. It on would be Heron popular. Hall. It depends on Heron Hall. Because of Sansa, Shadow Killer, and Rally Cry. So 
I understand the chances of automatic search for whatever you want. Like, in a deck that's running uber power effects. Like, oh, I think I want to bleeds this turn. I'm going to go find it. Oh, I'm short influence. I'm going to go find Like, anything you want. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that point, but I just don't think the Knights Hollow Hill not being able to do Sansa made it unplayable. No, it just hurt. Like, every little bit, I think it, it hurt Barra more than anywhere else. I, I, and I can Rally? completely agree with that. Yes, it hurt Barra most. Yeah. Rally Cry plus Heron Hall is, I think, the problem. Well, and as we could see at Iowa this weekend, Doug did a great job playing Knights of Hollow Hill Targ. I mean, it's still a very strong deck. And at Chicago Store Championship, that's what beat me in the final, was Knights of the Hollow Hill Targ. It's still a very, very strong deck. And if it was not vulnerable to Rally Cry, I think a lot more people would be experimenting with it. I mean, if I could use Rally Cry to take out other people's Hall, because I can't use all my triggered effects to... Right, and that's the thing that makes it the most abusive, is when you're able to use it offensively. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. I, yeah, uh, let's add that to the list. Fix Hollow Hill, put it back the way it was. I think I'd be okay with that. Uh, what else do we really uh, need to hit here in the uh, in the FAQ discussion, though? Uh, uh, I want Bran off. There's no reason for it to be on anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there's a few things I think we could look at now that uh, we've got our infinite loop ruling in place. Uh, ready for Barra? Sure. Red Queen's Faithful should probably come off. Yeah, I wasn't real sure why it went on to begin with. Totally agree. I mean, it gets really annoying, and <coughs> I understand, and Barra had a lot of stuff going on at the time, but especially with uh, the birds around now and the, their prevalence, despite whether Kyle thinks you should run them or not, uh, it def- definitely hurts any of the drop it into play first turn, you know, kind of line of reasoning. So yeah, I'd yeah, be okay with trying it out. It's a bomb card, but like, it's not like Barra's doing much to begin with. And it they could use a little boost. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm bored with Super Stannis. I wouldn't be against having him taken out of the meta for now. I don't know that it's necessary, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah, I don't think I it's necessary. I wouldn't take him away without taking away the Viper, though. Oh, yeah. Well, let's yeah. let's save Martell for last, because Martell, I've got a lot. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think much needs to be done with Barra right now. I mean, again, I understand shaking it up a little bit, but if if we're reintroducing Knights of the Hall Hill as an option for them, I think that does shake them up quite a bit. So, Fair enough. That's true. Um, I don't know. I like the Red Queen's Faithful. I don't think it breaks anything. I don't think it ever broke anything. It was always a good card. But it's as long set- as they don't take Manning of the City Walls off and they're, you know, yeah. not taking off the Red Keep, I think it's fine. Well, And it allows that new Melisandre to see some play, which I think would be a positive thing. It certainly never got its day in the sun, that's for damn sure. Yeah. All right. Targ? Because we did Greyjoy. Sure. Uh, give him give them back Feast, and I'd like to see them lose either to B or Ambush from the Plains. Ambush from the Plains. Really? See, I was going to lean towards to B. I think to B, because I'm getting mm. sick of seeing that 481. Yeah, but yeah. to B actually makes you play a plot. Yeah. Uh, I Ambush think from the Plains is ubiquitous. Well, yeah, but it does kind of skew your plots. It doesn't 100% dictate but you do have or to... Or play cards with initiative boost. Like no, I, kind of I like think to be a dragon, yeah, for sure. Mostly because of how it works with Danny right now. 
You know, she works on both ends of to be a dragon. Stand her, reuse her again, kill someone again, or get her out of the dead pile with it. And, you know, there's that's a very frustrating combo to have to play against. And Ambush from the Plains is, okay, you're popping her or someone else in play. You know, then it comes back to hand. I, I don't know. Okay, so this is where I disagree, is that with to be a dragon, you know when it's coming. If somebody has no characters in their dead pile, you know that you're safe from it. Ambush from the Plains, you are not safe from, from even turn one. If they play the Seizing the Prize plot, they can ambush in the Golden Company on turn one. If they play almost anything, especially if we're giving Hollow Hill back. Yep. Yeah, but that doesn't bother me too bad. They have to spend a card to do it. You know, Ambush from the Plains in that case is is a two-for-one. You know, you're spending one card to put another one in play that's now going to come back to your hand after one turn, and you're going to have to pay the gold for it next turn. It's basically a... You know, don't get me wrong. I love Ambush from the Plains. I'm not saying it's not a good card. It's a very good card, but um, most people I, do it though on a two for one for a blowout. Yeah, I, I yeah. mean, I won't play a Targ deck without both of those cards right now. Agreed. So one should go and let Feast come back because at least that's not in every deck. Well, and yeah. without the Red Keep, it's hard to play. So we. We might be pushing Targ Nice Hollow quite a bit if we're leaning towards making tweaks to Nice Hollow Hill and yeah. giving them feast back. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Yeah. This here's my feeling. If we restrict Heron Hall and we take and for Nice Hollow Hill we remove its errata, no, I think Feast needs to stay on the restricted. But then list guess what you see a lot less of? You're gonna see a lot less Danny because people are gonna start playing long lances more. Yeah. It, it it changes the entire way Targ has to build and do it's a things. Shake up. Like, because you can still play Feast with Danny, but I don't know if I would. Like That'd a, be a weird build. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm much more likely to play Feast with Long Lances. Absolutely. Or even honestly, I guess not. But like, I've always liked Feast with Waif because I love getting my Feast back. Waif was the restricted I played last year at Worlds, and it was a lot less helpful than I thought it would be. It's not as good without long lances. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or, yeah. Without, or without... Weird. <laughs> Alright. Uh, so we sort of got somewhere with Targ. We want to be our ambush. Which depends on our mood, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, su- I definitely want some kind of shake-up in Lanny. I'd love to see them lose either Harry or the Mander. Uh, I agree with Harry. Yes, for sure. I don't sure. think that you can restrict the Mander. I mean, because um, then everybody just goes back and playing three golden tooth mines, and no one cares. I mean, taking Harry away is actually something with consequence. Fair. Yeah. I just think the Mander is becoming. <sighs> yeah, the Mander's around a lot right now. It is, but I don't think that that's the thing that's broken about it. The fact that you can go ahead and use your Mander, draw two cards, potentially drawing into your Harry the Riverlands to play it during <laughs> challenges, like that's the brutal thing. Yeah. And Harry, again, if we're talking ubiquitous, Harry is... Harry, much like Ambush and To Be, is in every single Lannister deck. Everyone. Auto. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yes, completely agree, and I'm... It's also the most versatile Neil card. And and let me rephrase that. Not versatile, that's not true. It is the most powerful, you know, individual one-shot Neil for Lanny. Very for a one-shot. It's... It's really extra abusive with Westerlands. Yes. I don't like that Lanny has that effect, especially. Or that level of power with that effect. Well, in the fact that you can play Castellan, trigger Castellan with your enemy Informer, 
triggering your Westerlands, and then follow it up to nail nail all the claims soak with your Harry. Yeah, it's it's a bit disgusting. Yeah, now I mean, Westerlands is one of those cards that can deal with the warship decks, you know, which we've talked about. Um, oh, I don't think we should touch Westerlands oh, at all. I, I'm just I, saying. So well, see, I <sighs> I think people are playing the warship decks wrong if they're losing to Westerlands. Like I've seen, I've run into Westerlands a bunch, and I've been playing the deck a fair amount lately. Um, and I just stopped playing dudes. Problem solved. It depends on how your deck is built, and I'm not convinced that all warship decks can afford to stop playing dudes. If we you know, take maybe CBK off the boat, then they might have yep. to. There you <laughs> go. That was my whole point. Yeah, that'd be fine. But as is, like the warship decks don't need a lot of dudes. Some of them run of them because they love um live, but it's not strictly needed. And like a lot of them are just really running a bunch of grands and going well. You know, you can kneel Grand and one other card every turn. I, you know, obviously there's the Warship decks that are pretty character light, but I'm not sure those are the ones that we're seeing win all the tournaments, although they have that possibility. I think we've seen, we've, I think we've seen a range of, you know, Warship decks with 30 characters win tournaments to Warship decks with 15 to 10 characters win tournaments. Without so. a doubt, without a doubt. And so... You know, I, I do think, I understand your point, Aaron, you know, but I do think Westerlands is still one of the cards that hurts Warship decks. Fair enough. Oh, and so the one other thing I'll throw in about Lannister is that if you're going to take away Harry of the Riverlands, and even if you want to take away Harry of the Riverlands and the Mander, could you then afford to give back the cash? The cash has never been the problem with Lannister. It's the I know. you unrestrict the cash, it's in everyone else's. Right, yeah. and so that's my follow-up. You, you restrict it, and you give it House Lannister only. I mean, I'd rather not, because then I'm just running Lannister Conquest, anything, everything. Really, you base know. your whole build around an attachment? It depends how much Targa I expect to be in the meta. Like, cash is powerful. Mira's still pretty good. Eh, she's alright. And she can knock cash right off. Yeah, that's my point. <laughs> she usually only knocks it off after you've drawn a couple cards off it, though. I feel like it's still vulnerable enough that if you're going to take away two power cards, you can afford to give that po- that card back at this point in the environment. I don't think you would take away two. It would be one or the other. Mm-hmm. But, um, I guess if it's House Lannister only, so that it's not in every single deck, sure. I mean, when's the last time that you played against somebody that was using that card as a restricted card? It's been a while, but it should be. It's not restricted. Again, it's not restricted because it's Lannister. Oh, wait, that's not fair. I played a, a bar- against a Barra Conquest Lanny, and that was the restricted recently. And how uh, good was that? It was actually fairly good. Draw is good in Barra here. Turns out it's something they normally lack. Well, Barra Knights is good. And Barra has kings. So, uh, real quickly... Um, one of the things I heard, and I haven't played Octagon in a long time, is that there are a ton of C's index on Octagon right now. Lots of C's index all over. Are you guys seeing this in your regionals? And do we need to consider any, you know, neutral erratas to dial back the quantity of C's index? No. I've only been seeing backhand season. Um, like, not dedicated to the agenda, just kind of exactly. running for a yeah. Sam draw. Splash here. Because yeah. that's what I'm doing. Yeah, that's well, that's kind of my point, is if people are now running Sam as this, 
you know, draw and they're not even really caring about making it a season, should we be looking at Sam as a restricted card? He's so vulnerable, though. And you need several plots, and Aftermath makes him a little bit useless. There's lots of reasons that Sam's not that scary. But he's showing up a lot. Yeah. In decks that really don't really care to make it a season, they just are using him as draw. Yeah, but they're using a couple plots for it. Like, if you're giving up that much for your draw engine, go ahead. Like, you have to find Sam. You have to be able to make sure you get Ravens, you know? Like, you have to keep Sam safe. You can't, like... I mean, that goes for every draw card that goes in a deck. You have to find it. You yeah, know? <laughs> you don't just you don't just find Sam and start drawing. No, but once you do find Sam, like you said, a couple plots that are not bad plots. I'm sorry, but Time for Ravens is not a bad plot in this environment where someone does play their traded plot. Oh, I can instead go get my Green Seer Raven and cancel their plot. Mm. By that you logic, know? though, Greg, you got to get rid of Tolman. You know, he's yeah. a one-cost guy that auto-draws immediately with no other card. There's yeah, but he is, he is house-specific in Lannister. That's my point, is that there's a difference between a Lannister deck that strength is draw, you know, and, and I didn't really comment on the cash coming off, but I do agree that it was the other houses playing it. So if it got house Lannister only, I'm fine with that, it, with it coming off. But Tolman being a, a singular draw one card is different than a neutral that's showing up in decks. If your argument is that cash is on the restricted list because other houses were playing it, that same argument goes with Samwell when we are now at a point where people are not playing seasons for seasonal effects, but are instead just throwing Samwell and their couple plots and their ravens just for draw, and if it's showing up in all those decks, it kind of defeats the purpose of Samwell, who is meant to be a season-specific draw card. Well, they house target only Maraxes for a reason, so your point is pretty strong. Okay, so my counter to that is, for the cash, there's exactly two houses that have reasonable ways to repeatably remove the cash. Like, no other house has any way to really handle it. Without writing a series yep. of bad cards. Targon Sarkin, that's it. Sam, there are four houses that can consistently shut down Sam. Four of six. That without doing anything extra, without breaking their deck, bending their deck in any way, shape, or form, can shut down Sam. So how are they shutting him down? Yeah. That you'll get one draw off him, Venomous. Um, okay, who plays Venomous anymore? I mean, oh, everyone. It's pretty popular. It's the, it's the most popular Martell restricted right now. I mean, is it? Okay. Yeah. I, guess I only saw it in on one that. of my games in Iowa, but I was definitely playing it. Yeah. Venomous, um, Iron Throne. Then and Harry. <laughs> well, yeah. Iron Throne, um, Threat, or whatever the hell Targ wants. Like, really, Targ is not having trouble removing a one-cost character. Yeah. Well, I mean, Targ although the number although of times no I've seen someone annoying. try and flank kiss him is pretty humorous, actually. Yes. I've probably seen it double-digit times in a game. Yeah. It's it's super amusing. But they're still not running out of ways to handle him. And then Stark, um, I'm seeing Greywind, like, in half the freaking Stark decks around. That's interesting. I've not seen huh. that. Yeah, I've That's not time. been seeing that. Time for wolves jumping in. Well, I think I think you're seeing it because of Sam. <laughs> well, and then a good chance of that. And then if all else fails, like you're playing Barra or you're playing um, Greyjoy, and you're like, "Crap, I don't have a consistent answer to this." You play Yagret. True. I'm not saying that there's not answers to a one strength character. There obviously are, but that's not the point. But that is the point because there's not those answers to cash. And there's no need to restrict Sam. 
because other than shaking up the environment. So we're not seeing seasonal decks and non-season I, agendas I all the time. I don't think we're seeing them that much. Like, it, I, is, is Sam's huge resurgence more based upon the Green Seer than it is on Sam himself? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think so. It's a critical mass and the additional search plot. I mean, well, and and we've so, got that so much draw, like so much draw ends up restricted. It's overdone. Like right after the rivers went, everyone went looking for new ways to draw, and the two most popular ways were Sam and Heavy Initiative. I'm just saying that when we started this discussion, the premise was shaking up the environments, and I think restricting Sam would shake up season decks a lot. I think that's banning Sam, but I guess. Like, I just think it means you're not playing seasons ever. Is is restricting the Green Seer Raven banning it? Yes, and that's a terrible idea, too, because what the hell's the point of printing it? Well, is there... Say that you restrict that, and you restrict HOD. Just too new. I, I don't like restricting cards that are that new unless they're, like, a uh, Lannister card I hate. Wheels. <laughs> well, how long how long was Wheels legal? Uh, not a single time. Not long. Yeah. <laughs> so we have precedents of it happening. Okay, are we really comparing so the the to Wheels Within Wheels and the Laughing Storm? I'm just saying, personally, I do not like Green Seer Raven. I don't like what it does to the environment. Oh, I do. I like that, um, I think city plots become a bit obnoxious. Like, and not that they're overpowered, I just don't like Omnipresence, and I don't think enough people are playing Green Seers to make cities terrible, but enough people are playing it to make it a risk, and I like risk. Don't I like calculated like risk. Green was printed with the environment being pre- errata and restriction of the river plots, though? Yes. I, I, I think we're giving any green. shit about green seers if I'm playing rivers. You better what? have all three green seers. You're stopping one of my four Who? extra four-card draws. Yeah, but who's bothering to do that now? No, but I think that that's... I think what Tommy's saying is that's why green seer was printed. Yes, the as, whole reason it was, oh, I you know, it, as, a, as a rivers, you know... But eh? Like, if I was playing rivers, I wouldn't have anymore. cared about green seer. I mean, yes, you would have. I don't yeah, think. you still would have. Yeah. I mean, if you're running Rivers, then you run three har- Like, you know what I mean? Rivers were so stupid, they answered everything. You will never find me disagreeing with that. No. I still like, think the point was that that card was printed as a silver bullet yeah, for was, Rivers. It was such with, a shitty way to do so. With a tangential benefit of neutering cities a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, oh. unfortunately, what what's happening is it's actually helping the warship decks because they can use it to cancel the Fleet. fleeing to the wall and cities. Yeah, I'd rather. I think I'd rather see favorable come back than fleeing become uh, um, omnipresent. Favorable without the red keep is still fine in my world too. Yeah, I mean, my big issue with fleeing being everywhere is now you've eliminated any deck that wants to go location heavy. Like, if half the meta is playing Fleeing, any deck, like, a Martel Gaston deck is now shitted all over. Like, I like is that. It though, is it really? Yeah. I mean, with the possible exception of that new location, unless you have that new location out, you're in a lot of trouble if your opponent's playing Fleeing. If we fix Maiden's Bane, then we don't need Fleeing to be in every deck. Okay? Right. And if that's the case, then maybe we don't need to fix Green Seer Raven. Okay, and then we are back to the question of, well, if Green Seer Raven isn't actually played that much, 
then maybe Sam isn't as ubiquitous and found in all these non-seasonal decks for carrion birds and green seer ravens. So, I mean, I, I think a lot of this still goes back to Greyjoy that if you fix Maiden's Bane, some of these other trickle down effects don't even necessarily need to take place. I, I think that's completely. fair. I also think that, uh, Greyjoy ruins everything fun. So, I'm <laughs> totally with you. That's pretty Nedley, though, isn't it? The home of Choke. <laughs> uh, the home of Greg's Worlds deck two years ago. Oh, I love that deck. Uh, oh. The deck was ridiculous. Oh, I loved it. Still my person. favorite deck ever. Also super NPE. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that one man. fun game that you and I played with that deck, Greg, was pretty awesome. I mean, that game lasted for 13 rounds. You remember that? Yeah, it was before? a two-hour-plus game, yeah. Martel, you're going to say restrict the house card. All right, time to move on. <laughs> I'm going to say restrict the Viper and free four others. Oh, okay. Restrict Viper four free. others. Orphans, Ariane, Princess Plan, Savas. I will agree with Ooh. orphans and orphans only. You orphans only. Ariane. Nope, and not Savas either, not when Martell, no agenda is so the hot stuff right now. I don't think it's the hot stuff if you take away Viper, Venomous, or Bannerman. Like, I think it's those combos that make it so strong. And Savas would help if all three of those are gone. But, like, you can only use one of those three. I don't care about any of the others. Right. Savas can come off if you're restricting the Viper and you're restricting... You're leaving restricted the Blade and the Bannerman. Yeah, like, because I'm never picking another card besides those three. Or maybe burning, like if the meta changes enough, but those four cards can never, ever, ever come off the list. Okay, well, we've also got a bunch more second edition spoilers uh, dropped on us. I think in, in the interest of time, since we had everything run pretty long before, Damn it, we're Kyle. just, yep. Yeah, we're just going to talk a little bit about the general concept of what's going on here in the uh, in the articles and what it looks like is going on going on with the houses, as well as lay a couple exclusive preview cards on the listeners, and uh, instead of just diving in card by card by card. I mean, a lot of that is just reading the card to you, and guys, fantasyflightgames.com totally has them, and I know you know how to read. Alright, let's start with Stark. Okay, so Stark, I would say overall, looks to be an extremely um, similar house to their first edition incarnation. Uh, looks like they're pretty light on intrigue. Uh, they're fairly military-focused. Looks like they, they're kind of defensive. Maybe skewed a little bit more like Martell is in first edition. Like, it looks like they're getting stuff, like, with Rob, where if somebody's killed, you get some good things. Like, so it's almost a little more revengey, it feels like, or like. They, they stand a lot. Yeah, they stand a lot. Eddard stands right when someone attacks you, which feels more revengey to me than, like, not kneeling to defend or something like that, so. Um. Weird I, to look like the standhouse. I like it, but I feel like this is going to make them more resilient to losing challenges. And when Stark loses challenges, they kind of fall apart. Yeah. They're going to like going second, uh, which is going to be a little, little different from first edition, I think. 
Well, it also makes sense. It's not like Ned or Rob were very initiative takers, big initiative takers. Like, stuff happened and they reacted. Yeah, yeah. They just wanted to sit in the north until somebody, you know, made something happen. Either Bob asked Ned to come south, or Ned got killed and Rob had to do something. Or someone stabbed Ned with a spear in the leg. Yeah. Yeah. All sorts of stuff like that. Um, I like the exception to that, though. The exception. So that seems to be like the direwolves. Yeah, yeah. The and it makes sense for them to be fairly uh, aggressive, you know, being wolves and all. <laughs> yes, wolves being what actually kills people in Stark, besides nameless peasants. Right. I I agree with like they kill stuff, they ambush stuff, they show up unexpectedly. I think those are really, really cool effects for wolves. They literally ambush if you've got the wolf's wood in play. Interesting to see uh, ambush out and about with other other houses, you know. It's not a targ thing. Well, I like that it's around. I mean, we'll get to the house that it seems to be biggest in momentarily. But dire wolves, in the book, um, when someone attacks a Stark, they show up out of nowhere and they rip your face off. Yeah. That seems to be what the dire wolves do. That's why I always like the the shadows one in first ad, the guardian wolf. Yeah, it feels like a wolf. Yeah. So, well, I mean, and even that event, there's the dire wolf event that, like, if you lose an entry, you kneel a dire wolf to kill the attacker. Oh, uh, which is crazy good. I And it's so crazy, like, with the change to timing, I, I was reminded of this looking at... Uh, thread on card game DV, like, you actually get to play that and kill something before your opponent has a chance to discard it from your hand. If that's the last card in your hand, that is the funniest thing in the world. Which is, like, I don't know, is actually kind of annoying. That does definitely damper intrigue as a way to disrupt your opponent. Um, I'm very nervous about what intrigue is going to be in second edition. I don't think it sounds nearly as powerful. Yeah. It's it's definitely going to go down in power. Military, I think, can only go up with the more expensive characters, and I would already argue it was in a not-too-distant dis- second in first ad. Power challenges, on the other hand, I'm not, not seeing anything that doesn't leave them relegated to a distant third. I mean, depends how common power icons are. I feel like they just stuck a power icon on every other goddamn card in first edition. Yeah, I mean, the wolves don't have them here in the Stark, spoiler at least, but everybody else does. Yep, which is just disappointing, because a lot of Starks didn't care about power. Like, Catelyn, was she really about power? Uh, yeah, or intrigue, really? Like, I'm, uh, No, well, she, she tried would, intrigue. She, she wouldn't be fun if she it. had no icons. Ugh, whatever, Bran didn't in first edition, he still managed to get restricted. There you go. <laughs> Is there anything else we can see that looks interesting in Stark? Because that oh, there's supposed to be the Nedley House, which is a really bad pun, but also so bad logical. Because if you like Starks, you're kind of boring and want to play a Nedley game, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, there is one other thing that I do see that's worth it. You know that card spread that they've got at the top of the the page with the uh, Lannister on Stark game. Yes. Laid out, you can see this Stark location down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hey, turns out that's our exclusive preview card, guys. Oh, can I read this one? Yeah, go right ahead. It is a two-cost location, which, by the way, is cheap for second edition based on what we've seen. Right, uh, Gates of Winterfell seems to be loyal. 
The North, Winterfell Traits. Challenges action. Neil gates a Winterfell to reveal the top card of your deck. If it's a start card, draw it. Otherwise, return it face down to the top of your deck. Oh, man, that's awesome. That seems pretty sweet. It's not a start character like in first edition, if it's a start card. Right. Now, I mean, okay, well, there's a few competing things I see here. First off, like, it almost feels like a Stark Mander from First Ed. Turns out the Mander's some good. But, you know, with the, with the more relaxed, in some ways, uh, house mixing due to the, the banner agendas, um, I think there's almost an increased chance that uh, the Gates of Winterfell fizzles if you oh. go that route. Did you see Fealty spoiled? I did indeed. There's definitely some incentive to go mono, but will there be enough cards to do that realistically out of just the core set? Probably not. But what also interests me is that every single bit of draw we've seen, except for uh, that one plot, Mm -hmm. counting coppers, has been challenge phase draw. Well, this is too. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, okay. But that's good. Gotcha. That means that that increases the value of reserve and and at least pushes a little bit entry. I mean, if your opponent is silly on when they trigger their draw, it does. Yeah, that's true. Well, it sometimes it's not even being silly. Sometimes you want to trigger it, so, trigger it sooner because you're trying to protect the card in hand, right? Potentially, yeah. But then in that case, like, it's not really upping the intrigue value because intrigue would have would have had the same value irregardless of the draw. True. It's, it's actually, just better it's just better in that case that it's in challenges. Yeah. Rather than marshalling draw. Marshalling draw and before is I think the real problem. It, it's it's how it goes with reserve for sure. Right. And um yeah. Anything that makes reserve matter more as opposed to less is good by me. Yeah. I think it'll be good. It's interesting to see this right out of the the <clears throat> gates in Stark. Oh God. Um you know, because we'll get to this in a sec with the other house we have spoilers for, but it looks like is FFG just gonna do draw everywhere? Like every house should have a draw effect. Like I mean, no house should be like I just can't draw cards. Like everywhere. every house should have card advantage. I personally think it's gonna be boring if like Every house just has a unique location that draws a card or something. Because at that point, you just make the draw, like, the actual framework draw three and do something unique with those cards. Because that's not interesting. It depends on the trigger to me. Stark wants to be loyal and stick with Stark, so Stark is only Stark. Lannister gets that by uh, winning Intrigue, which they want to do. I mean, we don't know if this follows true in any other house, so who the hell knows. I don't know. But like if you it have to be do going out on a specific limb, for it. I like it if you need to do something for it. If it's just like like if it's the Mander, like, hey, kneel this during challenges, draw a card. Yay. I'm kinda bored by that. Hopefully they won't be that bad. So right. you touched on ever so briefly right there on uh, on our other house. We've got Lannister. Lannister still has gold. Lannister <laughs> still has intrigue. Lannister now has ambush. Well, but so does Stark. Yeah, but Lannister seems to be really pushing it. Well, that's what they said in the article. I mean, out of the spoiled cards they showed us here... Two. uh, Do any of them have ambush? Two. Oh, yes, the Queen's Assassin. 
And the Burnman. And the Burnman, okay. Now, the Queen's Assassin, I do have to say, looks sweet. It's a little trippy to see Bronze Hirelane's art on it. Uh, yeah. With a different name. But it does at least look pretty sharp. They've really tweaked the, the contrast or something on on this art to make sure it looks tip-top. And cool. the effect to really leverage your hand size into board advantage is awesome and, and feels very Lannister-y to me. Uh, we got to talk about Tyrion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's awesome. Want to read Tyrion? You want me to read Tyrion? Uh, I'll, I'll read him. Yeah, he's a uh, five cost, intrigue and power, four strength. He's a lord, he has stealth, and reaction. After an intrigue challenge is initiated, gain two gold. Limit twice per round. He also seems to be loyal. So up to four gold. Uh, well, actually, yeah, no, you like arguing about that. He's, Let's just he's not loyal. If that empty banner means loyal, it's not oh, on his art. Oh, I missed it. Okay, good catch. Yeah, which is cool. I definitely think a lot of houses would want to uh, banner with Lannister for that. I mean, if ambush is going to be prevalent, his ability, or even just the fact that events now have a gold cost, like his ability to jump stuff in without you having to save that extra gold is going to be huge. Yeah. Well, to to intrigue him and then pop in a burn man. Yeah. How how, how fun is that little Nedley nod? Well, to intrigue with him, then have Castly Rock so you can do two intrigue challenges. Yeah. Then after you win each one of those, you draw a card, so you're getting two draw two entry claim, four gold. Like, I mean, obviously you need someone else with him because he can't stand or anything. But. Right. Yeah, but it's just after it's initiated. So even, like, if your opponent goes first and in, and intrigues you or in melee, if anybody initiates an intrigue, yeah, I think he, could, he can do a lot of work. Yeah. Um, Lannisport and Castle Rock are going to work together unbelievably. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's going to be great. As long as you can keep the, the characters on the board to keep pushing those through, it's going to be sweet. Casterly is the two costs, um, basically power behind the throne. You can have an extra intrigue mm-hmm. and loyal. And, uh, no, wait. Yeah. Yeah, okay. If, the, if that's what the banner means. It yeah, does have if to. that's what the banner means. Sorry, I'm, I don't, I'm tired. It's late. Um, Lannisport is three costs, and after you win an intrigue challenge, draw one card. Yep. So with the two of those out, you have the potential to draw three tr- cards around. Lannister's still the draw house. That's way better than than uh, Winterfell Castle as far as just sheer card advantage goes. Yeah, as long as you win the intrigues, it'll be pretty sweet. I mean, if nothing else, the Tywin that we don't love should win intrigue, right? Uh, yeah, this Tywin probably should, yeah. I don't know. Somehow I'm just not as enthused looking at that as I am. Like I looked at Ned and I was like... Oh yeah, that'll be pretty sweet. This Tywin just kind of bores me. Especially looking at that Tyrion, like, wouldn't that ability have just been awesome on Tywin? Uh, uh yeah, Tyrion certainly seems better than Tywin. I don't know. It's okay. Yeah. He's got uh, renown. We haven't seen a ton of that around, so, you know, it, it may just be like in the, the grand old days of the Westeros set of the CCG, like, Tywin was effectively blank, but Dagnabbit, he was a tricon with renown, and that mattered. Yeah, that's possible, and even more than that, like, if there's no Valar, renown's power is going to be way up. Right. Because I don't, there's, can't be that many effective ways to get rid of Tywin, I would assume. Like, we've seen one so far. Eh, two. 
Varys. Uh, the, if you lose, oh, that's three. Varys, then the wolf. If you lose, if Tywin yeah, just makes an entry yeah. challenge, you lose. Like warm rain. Yeah, and then uh, the things I do for love, the card right next to Tywin. Yeah, but you have to spend seven gold to bounce him with the things I do for love. Yeah, but if I'm he has a bunch of power possible. on him, it's still worth it. Yeah, I'm just saying it, it's going to be an investment. But that looks like a great event. Uh, feels, I don't know, just like a, a super cool control card that for Lannister, which I think will be useful, but also scales well to the environment of, of higher-cost characters. It means you can't make chump intrigue against Lannister with uh, Tyrion out. Right. All right. Um, we got to read the Queen's Assassin, though. You read Queen's Assassin. Okay, Queen's Assassin. It's going to be two cost, intrigue icon, two strength. It's a spy. It has ambush four. And reaction after the Queen's Assassin enters, play use an ambush, choose an opponent. If you have more cards in hand than that player, he or she must choose and kill a character he or she controls. If boards are really going to be small, that's going to be a bomb. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting to see that it has ambush four, but only two cost. So now now we know those ambush costs can vary. I like that. I actually prefer that because, like, if you only get... Why, um, let's use the Golden Company from first edition. Like, it should be ambush four to get that extra draw. But if you're playing it, who cares? Like, there's no reason to ever marshal it except you're desperate for a dude. Mm-hmm. If it were, like, three to marshal instead, that, w- that would be a much better card. It would definitely be a more interesting card. I, I like the kind of trade-off here. You know, there's going to be games where you're going to have him on setup and be like, uh, do I go ahead and do that now to get the extra card? Do I wait and try and get the kill? So, yeah, I dig it. All right, our spoiler. Yeah, you want to lay that one on us then? Sure, we've got the Gold Cloaks, a four-cost character. Does not appear to be loyal. Um, military and power icon, three strength. Ambush two, which again, we just talked about. It's different, right? Yeah. Uh, four, flips the forced other interrupt, which is nice to know that it, that exists. This is our first forced interrupt, I believe. When a phase ends in which Golden Cloaks entered plays in Ambush, discard it from play, cannot be saved. I love that. It seems pretty cool. Solid strength and stuff. I I mean, I love also that it works well with Tyrion, you know, because he had, uh, had the bit in the books where he, you know, threw Janus out and named a new Lord Commander of the Gold Cloaks, or, sorry, it was just Commander of the Gold Cloaks. Um oh. If all that draws in challenges, this is a card you're likely to end up discarding anyway. So to be able to, like, you declared an entry challenge, so you just drew him, you can jump him in, not worrying about having to discard him and actually get use out of him. Right. That's awesome. And if, like, you've already gone first, or maybe your opponent made a power challenge, and you're going to pop him in to defend or something, like, he can kind of mess around with your opponent's incoming military challenges, where, I mean... If they make one after you've dropped him on the board, he's going away anyway, so why not kill him? But I think there's a lot of opponents that are going to be like, eh, why even military? Because they're just going to kill him, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, Lannister's going to love that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, all around. And then you get to use him for challenges, and if you, like, just a good, good card. So, um, Ambush seems to still be any phase. Um, no, I, I believe it's specified in the in okay. the spoiler article. Challenges only. 
Yeah. Then forced interrupt is worded strangely. Oh yeah. When a phase ends in which Golden Globe Center plays using ambush. Hmm, that is odd. That is odd. That must have been a change somewhere along the line that someone missed. Yeah, that that is possible. If that is the biggest thing that that uh, got missed as things got I swapped around, I'll be fine with it because it still works perfectly. It's worded to lead you towards maybe thinking, oh, I can do this other stuff, but it still works perfectly. <laughs> uh, one other thing we totally forgot. We got the meaning of a new keyword, but I know we definitely have insight, which is yet more challenge phase draw. Yep. Seems pretty good. That's that's a keyword I would have loved for a long time here in first ad, so it's pretty sweet to see it here in second. Yeah, win a challenge with the character with insight, draw a card. Yeah. So there you go. There's more draw for Stark if they've got Summer out. Well, if they've got Summer well, and, and Brand, yeah. which is, again, like Stark has to work a little bit for their draw while Lannis is just like, I need to win a challenge. Repeatably. I like it. Yeah. Overall, I think the uh, the second, ed- second edition previews are still looking pretty sweet. I look forward to uh, to checking them out. I'm feeling like I might be a Lannister player. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, it feels weird for them to not have Neil. How weird. But I think I might still dig him. So where do you assume Neil goes? Because Neil's not just gone, right? Uh, yeah, I can't imagine it's gone. I mean, out of the stuff that's left, uh, people have been theorizing maybe Barra. I suppose. They have the king. That, that was makes my guess. some sense. I could also see it being Targ, like, hey, you know, I'm the rightful king. It's it's basically the same argument as people are making for Barra. Like, I could see Targ doing that too. And they don't have ambush, at least not as their main theme now. So but maybe they just they have, we know they have burn. Eh, they probably do. Maybe they have no, burn they and do. Neil. I don't know. Burn and Neil together. I'm just saying. Crazy. Maybe they just flip flopped that between. Lannister and Targ. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, I hope not, because I think Burn is... If Burn is going to be good, Burn is going to be powerful enough that I don't... You know what I mean? Like, I don't really want Burn and Neil in the same day. Yeah. Or it, it still could be there, Tyrell. There we go. Intimidate. The, it still seems like there's a good uh, good argument to be made for that there as well, with their manipulative ways. Ready for Intimidate? Sure. After you win a challenge as the attacker with an intimidating character, you may kneel a character whose strength does not exceed the strength by which you won the challenge. That's worded awkwardly. That is. You can does kneel not exceed with I, equal to or less than yeah. what you won the challenge by. So if you won by three, you can kneel three strength, two strength, one strength, or zero strength, dude. Huh. Interesting. More scaling, it sounds like. I think that's very powerful. And it increases the value of actually defending challenges you're not you're not going to win. Uh, right, right. Chump blocking, even more uh, need for it. That's cool. That adds more back and forth in the challenge phase. Yeah, I mean, your six-strength guy is going to kneel like your opponent's six-strength guy if you don't figure out a way to block that for at least a couple. Like, assuming one of the big guys has intimidated at some point. It would make sense. Hmm. Of course, immediately my brain's like, I wonder if... Oops, sorry about that. It would have made sense for Tywin, come to think of it. 
<laughs> yeah, really. Tywin is very intimidating. Maybe Roose Bolton. Yeah, well, let's hope he's not in the corset. Yeah, I doubt he will be. Props and slops? Let's do that. Well, I've got one I want to throw out there real quick. It's not quite either. It's more of an announcement. I want it to be on listeners' minds. Um, I posted about it on Facebook and the relevant sites, Card Game DB and Agat Cards. Um, and that is that since there is not uh, an official cut for the Kingslayer tournament at Gen Con, um, I wanted to get the ball rolling and organize a, uh, a player run uh, event to go ahead and play out an elimination cut to find a true single winner. I've uh, been in communication a little bit with FFG uh, and some members of the community. They're going to help out with some prizes and some of the tournament maths and such. Um, so props to, to those guys, um, like Chris and, and Dennis and Dave. And I think, Aaron, you jumped in on that group as well. Yeah, I'm there. I haven't actually done anything. Okay, but I'm totally there. All right. Well, yeah, we're gonna try, we're gonna try and get something done. Uh, I've got the ball rolling on some uh, some pretty cool prizes. Uh, I know a couple other people have prom- promised some prizes. Dennis is looking at doing some similar stuff to what they did for the draft out uh, in DC. So it's gonna be good. I want folks to know about it now so that they've got it on their mind. And want to come uh, come participate in that. So. I'm playing Lannister. Come get me. Yep. Um, we got to talk the show, so this is your spoiler warning for everybody. Spoiler warning. S- fuck Stannis. Lops to Stannis. Yeah, what gives, man? I don't know how I like freaking Ramsey Bolton better than him now, but I do. Uh, I mean, Ramsey's... Awfully entertaining to watch, at least. So, well, sort of. I, I mean, when he's feeling full of himself, he is. He, he at least has that amusing side. Stannis, yeah. of course, by personality, has no amusing side. Has never been amused in his life. Stannis needs to die. Well, they had to kick it up a, a notch for episode nine, man, you know? I mean, I guess, but, like, the Danny scene was amazing, and that was a notch. I, I, I don't know. They, they're just they're trying to up the shot quotient. It's just interesting to see, like, I don't know. I guess in the book, Stannis was willing to uh, to sacrifice. What was his name? His uh, his half Edric, nephew no, or whatever. Edric Storm. Yeah, Edric Storm. Uh, Which is in no way the same thing as his daughter. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't do it in the end, and I don't know. I mean, Whatever. granted, he didn't do it because he got away, but... So, I don't know, like, this is a mild book spoiler, or potentially a book spoiler, mm-hmm. so once again, fair warning, but the showrunners after the show totally say that, like, this was something that uh, Martin said was going to be in the books, and that's why they did it. Well, that's interesting. I, I mean... It doesn't even, I don't know, that still doesn't quite feel like the Stannis that I know so far in the books either, you know? I mean, if it were if it were going to happen, the way they do it, like, oh no, there's snow. Let's kill my daughter. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, he survived the siege of Storms of Storm's End, right? Like 
Right. Then, like, like man, it's used to hardship. Yeah, like, it snowed for a day, and he's like, huh, well, time to burn my daughter. Like, that, what? Oh, I hope that Davos kills him. Uh, I, I mean, know. nothing's going to happen next episode, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. It's all being Actually, wait, something happens next episode. Something? You know, it has to happen next episode. Uh, dear book readers, where's Cersei right now? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I how did I almost forget about that? Like timing wise, yeah. Yeah, we're d- we're due for a walk of shame, and we you know it happens because there was a big hoopla over film it uh, over filming it. So yep, Neil won influence, and she's going back to the Red Keep. Discard a power too, I think. <laughs> Indeed. Those are my props. And so- oh, props That's- to that Danny scene, and everything that Peter Dinklage does is gold, except for that movie that looks terrible. Oh my goodness, uh, he is pretty amazing. You know what? Props to Elf, the movie, by the way. It's great. But yeah, oh, man. that's, that's I saw, pretty much it for me. I saw Mad Max and Greg is in here. Slopster Greg for not arguing with Mad Max about arguing with me about Mad Max today. You know, after that last Mad Max argument that I had to trim down so much, I'm okay <laughs> with that. Uh, so, what else are you okay with? I'm okay with the Danger Zone. <laughs>